The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Najee Salveson, Full Court Press on a Friday. And normally Fridays are like super exciting because the weekend's here, but this week's been kind of screwy anyway. It's been weird. So this Friday doesn't seem like a normal Friday, no. but it's still a Friday. It's still Friday. We're there, right? Yes. We got basketball tomorrow at home. Finally. Finally, Eric. We're back at home. Seems like it's been forever. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, ask Coach that. I mean, you could just tell. He was like, huh, we're back home. Weird. Remember this place? It's called the Spectrum. <laughs> no, he's excited. He's excited to be back here. We got a big one next Saturday. This is night really too. a good opportunity for uh, the, your quote unquote average fans or families to go because the students are going to be largely $11 gone. $11 a ticket. Super cheap, easy to get oh, into. Oh, man. I hope that's a good crowd there. You always worry that it's these games between Christmas and New Year's, a lot of people have other things going on out of town. It could be very uh, low attended, but uh, new net rankings are out. They're updated every day. Utah State hasn't really moved. They're still at number 49. San Diego State's still at number one. Mm. Um, so not a lot of movement there for those two teams. But Utah State's going to be taking on a team called Eastern Oregon. They are a Division Three team. <laughs> the Mountaineers of Eastern Oregon. Um. So, I, honestly, I don't really know much about Eastern Oregon. I don't know that they really care to know much about Eastern Oregon. Uh, USU beat them by 27 points uh, a year ago. They faced these guys a year ago. Uh, USU scored 84 points in that one. Um, and uh, th- this game is more about Utah State fine-tuning some things in preparation for in the last preparation for conference play. And um, maybe giving bench guys and fringe guys a few more opportunities to try to impress coaches to say, hey, maybe I deserve a few more minutes or I deserve minutes, period. Uh, But, Ajay, you had a chance to go up and meet with Craig Smith today. We'll hear his full audio. But before we do that, just impressions, uh, the takeaways that people should uh, key in on when we hear his full audio. He's complimentary of Eastern Oregon. He understands that this is a team that, look, last year, I mean, it it took him a little bit to – actually get rid of them because Eastern Oregon hung around there for a little bit and they you know couldn't shake them and finally they did there it's an experienced team coming back they've uh, they've they return uh, their leading scores uh, they're uh, they can score and in, in bunches too um but uh, you'll you'll hear the update on Amish Keta uh you'll hear on Cuba uh, as well I know Cuba had the uh, appendicitis surgery is that what it's called? Appendicitis surgery. Yep. Uh, so he's uh, he's been evaluated, uh, and they they hope to have him on the court very soon. Um, other than that, I mean, it's uh, and, he, and by the way, you'll also get a, a statement on uh, Derek, that the Super Aggie fan who passed away. Um, you'll hear his thoughts on that as well. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's get right into it. This is Coach Craig Smith. Uh, met with the media just last hour and uh, had a chance to discuss. Where his team is at right now, coming off of three big wins. Uh, sorry, two big wins and a close loss against BYU, all on in professional arenas. 
Two were in NBA arenas. One was in an NHL arena. And now Utah State is back home, finally, after a long absence, facing Eastern Oregon. Here's what Craig Smith has to say about the matchups coming up that we'll see tomorrow afternoon in the Spectrum. Well, Eastern Oregon, we get uh, another opportunity to play them. Obviously, uh, playing them last year, um, they're a much different team this year. They shoot it much, much better. They're averaging over 100 points a game. And and certainly, um, um, regardless of what level you're at, like that's uh, very, very impressive. So, um, um, they put they just they really want to get out in transition. They let it fly. I mean, they're they're going to get out, and if they have an open three in transition, it's it's going up. And so um, they put a lot of pressure on their opponents that way. Um, they're a very good offense rebounding team, 11.5 offensive boards a game, uh, which I believe uh, leads the, uh, they lead the NAI in field goal percentage, 19 assists a game. Um, number 25, their big kid, who's a 7-footer, who hurt us a little bit last year, and then he got in some foul trouble. Schletzky is shooting 72% from the field. And then number 15 for them, McCullough, who did not play against us last year, um, is scoring over 20 a game, and he had a game this year of 41 points. So, um, he, so he's got the ultimate green light. So we're gonna have to be on point with our position defense, and then, you know, offensively or them defensively expect anything. They they've played all kinds of different zones. They played obviously man to man, and so uh, the good news is you get to this time of year. We're 14 games in. We're almost to the half point. You know, halfway point. We've seen about anything and everything so nothing is too new from that respect you just got to be ready to go and be sharp and anytime you come off a Christmas break it's kind of different usually we have five days off this year it was four um, you know it's good to get the guys away both mentally and physically uh, get a chance to get your legs back um, but you always can tell who's been in the gym a little bit over Christmas break and who just took four days straight of vacation so that's always a um, something to look at. You know, last year we got off to a slow start against these guys, um, the first nine to ten minutes or so, and then we kind of um, started to take care of business. So, um, so that's always a big thing. You know, when you come back from Christmas break that way. But we're excited to be at home. Um, only our uh, third home game since uh, a week, like a week before Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it does feel good to finally be back in the spectrum, and hopefully we can finish the the 2019 year off on a good note. And it's always probably important to play some mm -hmm. kind of game before you go back to conference play oh, rather yeah. than just going back to conference play. Yeah, especially when you start January 1st, it'd be one thing if, if it was a league game and both league teams, this was their first game back, um, but, but certainly if you're not playing until January 1 or January 2 or December 31st or whatever, and obviously it's January 1st for us, you want to get a a game in, and it just so happened for us. It's a it's a non-division one game, but it's uh, a game we felt like we need to get in. Samir's okay. Yeah, he he should be fine. Um, probably won't play tomorrow, um, but it's not. Uh, I think I said it. After, it's nothing to do with his injury this summer, so um, that's good news. So um, he'll go back to the the doctor here soon, and and should be fine. Coach, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to ask, can we get a start, statement from you on Derek, uh, the Aggie fan who passed away? Oh, yeah, Derek, um, and that was a tough one. Um, you know, he's the, just kind of the definition of an, an Aggie, right? And, and, you know, you guys have known a lot longer than me, but he was just always the guy that was at the weekly radio show. Anytime we had a, 
um, the coach's luncheon, or you had the, he was in the front row, and as soon as they'd open up for questions, his hand was right up. <laughs> he always had a great question. And, um, but he always had uh, 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 well-thought-out questions, but then he always had his side, you know, was always a little bit shaded towards the Aggies, which was a true Aggie fan. But not only all that, like, I'll just always remember um, him being in the front row of the herd and getting everybody into the game and doing our, you know, you, sh you go around and how we do it with our guys and going around and, and just all the thing I'll always remember is not only his passion and energy but the big bear hugs he would always give and literally my back would like crack in three spots every time and um, and him always asking if I could buy him a sandwich um, <laughs> but just a little subtleties like that and so to hear that heartbreaking news and see all the um, people responding and whether it was tweeting or whatever message it was that got out there he certainly made an impact on so many people and in so many lives and that was uh that was a tough one to see to say the least thank you that was tough uh can you go back just a little bit of how important that trip was for your team mm. do you think to win those two games like you did it was a great trip and two two games that obviously just came down to the wire and and um, we knew that was going to be a, uh, we knew Dece December was going to be very very difficult period um, but just kind of coming off a difficult loss you know that week on Saturday before um, um, I thought and we knew South Florida was going to be tough they were I mean Florida State had to go on a 15-1 run to beat them um, on a neutral floor so they're they're a tough team tremendous um, you know down by four with a minute and a half to go to find a way to get get that to overtime and then win in overtime uh, on the tip-in uh, says a lot and then and on a neutral venue in Houston Rockets Arena and then to be able to follow that up and kind of validate that win against Florida who is the most athletic team we face I mean LSU is really athletic but they're but Florida is a different, you know, and we just kind of hung around, and especially to be able to find a way to win that game with Namish going down, and and uh, you know we threw the four guard lineup out there and being guarding, you know, uh, what's Blackshear. Um, it wasn't always the prettiest game, but we just found a way to make plays at the right time, and I thought Sam had a, a really really good good game, and obviously Bean had a great game, um, um, so it was good to see. I think our Offense is kind of coming around. We're starting to make some shots. Um, so what a great road trip. And to be able to do it against two quality opponents on neutral floors and with all that travel, um, I think uh, says a lot about the character of our guys. And Christmas break came at the perfect time for us to, to kind of try to get healthy and get our legs back. But you, uh, the, the two wins are important down the road oh, yeah. for your team and where, what you want to do and things too. Yes, uh, to be 12 and two right now, and those, uh, you know, one of those games has a chance to be a quad one game, or, or it's just outside of that right now. I think Florida was 56th in the net today, if I remember right. So, uh, but those are resume, you know, building wins that the NCAA will look at, you know, if it comes down to an at large possibility, but. Um, and then just to keep momentum going forward, right, into the last game of non-conference play and momentum going into Christmas. And uh, because that was a grueling trip, we've gotten six days and a lot of miles um, that were involved with it. But I just thought our guys really handled everything very, very well and had the right mindset from the beginning. And unfortunately um, for us, we were able to pull it out. Yeah, he's been dressing. I think the last two or th two, maybe three games, and so um, hopefully um, he'll be on the floor very soon.
Trevin played pretty well. Trevin was big time. We don't beat Florida without Trevin. Um, he gave us great minutes early on. We decided, you know, when Nimi's first sub, we threw in Trevin at the five, and he had a great run, really. Played with a lot of force, uh, got a couple offense rebounds, blocked a couple shots, and altered a few others. And um, he was all over the place. And, and, and gave us great minutes again in the second half, obviously, when um, after we, Nimi went down. But, you know, the, some of those guys have a tough job because they show up every day ready to roll, and they don't always know when they're going into the game. They don't always know when, if they're even going to play in the game. Didn't even play against South Florida. And that's just more of a, quite frankly, it's kind of a feel thing. Like, I don't always make up my mind before the game, you know, who's going to, but you just kind of roll with the punches and who's playing well. And um, same thing with Bean playing the five. Like, that wasn't predetermined. It's just kind of, you roll with it, and Nimi goes down, and now you're just kind of putting guys in maybe some positions that they, they're not always used to, but <clears throat> give them credit to to be ready to roll when their number is called. And and um, and so it's exciting to see. Trevin's really showing flashes of certainly getting better and better, and he can really impact the game, um, especially on the defensive end. Anything else? There he is. Good stuff. Coach Smith. Way to go. Uh, so the, the the news there is uh, um, Keta is on track. He'll be back. He probably won't play tomorrow, but he should be available for Mountain West play. Yep. Uh, he'll be evaluated soon by the doctors, uh, and they'll just kind of look at it. The great news is that there's nothing serious on the knee. Um, that they It's nothing serious. Uh, it was a bruise, really, is what it was. It was a bruised knee. Uh, he'll be good to go. Kuba's uh, an interesting one. Um, I tweeted out that he'd be evaluated very soon, and but what Coach Smith said there is, in, in his own words, is that they hope to have him on the floor very soon. So I put evaluated just because I didn't want to be like, yeah, he's going to be on the floor very soon. Uh, just evaluated very soon. From there, they hope to have him on the floor. So I'm getting a little bit of, just a tiny bit of grief of that, but yeah, that's why. <laughs> it's semantics a little bit. Uh, but that's a great addition to have him back. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the by mix. the way, Dorius has played so well. Right, you, been... you get all three of those guys playing well, starting with Keta. Yeah. Health, fully healthy. He's your star. He's the guy that you need in there, but you can back him up with another seven footer who may be even a little bit bigger and longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge, huge asset uh, for Utah State. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it, it sounds it, like in Sam Merrill's going to play. Yeah. Tomorrow. there was. We were now, debating whether or not he would play at sure. all, and it sounds like he will. And. Here's, from just my standpoint, this is just me being, I mean, just, I mean, this is pure speculation. Pure speculation. I'd like to see Sam shoot more. I want to see Sam, you know, tell Brock Miller, no, you're not getting that corner three. I'm going to take it to the hole, and I'm going to draw a foul and get a bucket. Or I'm going to I'm going to go up here, I'm going to stop on a dime and, and hit a pull-up jumper. I want to see Sam be Sam Merrill of last year. Take over a game. Sam, you're the best player on this team. You're the defending Mount West Conference Player of the Year. Be selfish, man. Take those shots. Didn't he kind of do that to a degree against Florida? Yeah, it just took him until the second half to do it, I felt like. I mean, why not? I mean, from the get-go. I just want to see Sam from the get-go say, it's my night. Tonight is my night. I want the ball. Because I'll tell you this. 
against San Diego State next Saturday night, next Saturday night at 8 o'clock in the Spectrum when the Aztecs will most likely be undefeated. They're going to need somebody to go to, somebody to light that spark, to set that place on fire right from the tip, right from the tip off. Sam could be that guy. If Sam can come out there and hit three shots in a row, have a quick six points, he's on rhythm. Sam, then the Aztecs are worried about him. And it's gonna pre- and it's gonna present more open looks for other guys. But until then, I want to see Sam be more selfish. It's okay to be selfish when you're that good, Sam. <laughs> you're pa- he's passing up way too much. Am I wrong? Is it, do you feel like he, um, or do you feel like he's? I don't know. I'm, I think Sam's gonna get his. I, I kind of feel like the way that he plays, the way the offense runs, Sam's gonna get his. If it's at the expense of the other teammates, I would worry a little bit. Because I I think that Brock Miller needs to get some offense going early for him to be effective and relevant for the rest of the game. I feel like Diogo Brito has struggled with his shot a little bit. If he can get some shots going and regain his confidence, see the ball go through the hoop, he'll be more effective offensively. I think he's okay, an effective defensive player. But his offense has been struggling a little bit. So if Sam can be... I don't know that Sam necessarily sh- needs to be the guy that go and get his. <clears throat> I think if he can be a, as much of a facilitator, he's still going to get his. He's still going to be an effective player that defenses are going to focus on. But if he can be a facilitator to help the rest of his team, but isn't he facil- it ele- elevates everyone. Isn't he facilitating too much? He's facilitating to a shooter right now who is inconsistent at best. He's shooting three for th- like 15 every night. He's facilitating the guys who, I mean, now Abel is with the exception. I feel, I feel like Abel's been good. But Brito's missed some shots. I know he hit that corner three against Florida, which was humongous. But even Brito's had some good looks, and he's missed them. At some point, you got to say, I've got to get this going. And I've got to, I mean, look, because you know Sam, even with a guy in his grill, can pull up and hit a jumper. Uh, no, I totally agree. If those guys aren't hitting, if he's trying to facilitate and these guys are still not coming along, then he's got to say, enough of that. I'm going to get us to the to the win. I'm going to score points. Until you start making some more shots, I have to go get them. Because if you're not going to did it, do it, I will. So I agree that if, if things aren't working out, if they're still stagnant with Brito, with Brock, then Sam needs to be the guy to say, all right, enough of that. Let's let's just go get some buckets. Um Justin Bean, I think, has been is wonderful. They need to find someone like Justin Bean who can continue to be that aggressive, physical guy. Dorius is getting there. Dorius is getting there. I'm sure there's you know there's games where moments in a game where the coaches want to pull their hair out with him, but I feel like he's progressed immensely and he's progressing at a good rate. If they can get him to be that guy where he's gonna be more physical in getting an offensive rebound, in fighting for a defensive rebound. Boy, he's going to be a valuable, valuable, valuable commodity later on this year during the dog days of the college basketball season. Uh, See, tomorrow could be similar to St. Catherine where you see Brock Miller hit five three-pointers and he just looks great. Uh, And then uh, the question is, is that fool's gold? Uh, Because last time we thought, okay, look, He's starting to connect. He's getting in rhythm. He's making shots. Maybe he's got the confidence. Here we go. 
Brock Miller's going to be a good offensive weapon for USU. And then he's he struggled. He's just he's been a little inconsistent. He has that opportunity, uh, but it's just not always consistently there. So I'm I think that if I would prefer if Sam is the facilitator, he's going to get his points, but also helps elevate the rest of his team. But if those guys aren't doing their job uh, of, of getting buckets, then I have no problem with Sam being selfish after that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but tomorrow night against Eastern Oregon, I want to Sam, I want to see Sam be selfish against San Diego state. Sure. Find the rhythm, find where the game's going, you know, and, Go that way. But tomorrow, against a team that is, 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 how I say it, not as talented defensively, go after it. Go get, go get your 20. Again, that's, I mean, that's, that's just pure me coach brain. And, and maybe, you know, maybe for Coach Smith's aspect and, and the staff, maybe they like where Sam is at, which would be understandable because for all the reasons that you've mentioned. But in my case, I want to see Sam take more shots. I'd love to see Sam take more shots. Sure. Uh, but I also, this is a, there's been a lot of travel the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot that's been asked of Sam. This is a game where I would love to see him not play more than 25 minutes. 20 minutes would be even better. Yeah. Brito especially, because Brito's got two bad ankles or one? I know he's <laughs> turned his ankle once or twice. One time he stepped on a foot, and the other time he turned it against BYU. Um, I th- So, yeah, if I just, I'd like to see Brito play, but not play a lot of minutes. Justin Bean, is, Justin Bean looked, what, against Florida? Like, late in the second, like, Bean looked like he was going to pass out. <laughs> That kid played 37 tough minutes versus South Florida and then had to hold the fourth down when Namish Keta went out. Running on fumes. Yeah, and and did a great job. I'd like to see Justin Bean's minutes limited as much as possible, too. Again, Coach Smith will make those decisions, and his staff will. They did not say what the rotation would look like. Uh, They didn't want to speak about it. Um, So we'll find out out tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Some news in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, University of New Mexico has revealed their guard, <laughs> point guard, J.J. Caldwell, has uh, uh, been suspended indefinitely. We now know why. Uh, there's an allegation of battery against an ex-girlfriend from earlier this month. Uh, Carlton Bragg Jr. has also been suspended indefinitely, but um, apparently those are those are unrelated matters. It just happened, and about the suspensions happened about the same time, but they weren't related to each other. Um now, according to the Albuquerque Journal, it looks like Bragg's uh, suspension is neither because of academics or because of drugs. Um, so it's not has nothing to do with those two things. Um, so still trying to figure out what it is that uh, that went on. Uh, the uh, neither has been charged with a crime, uh, according to any reports that the Albuquerque Journal has been able to find. Um. But um, still, the uh, the Carlton Bragg is the is the bigger blow to the team, but uh, he's suspended indefinitely and still uh, unknown as to uh, why he is being uh, suspended. Uh, but JJ Caldwell uh, suspended 
uh, indefinitely, and now some details coming out there for uh, a battery charge against an ex-girlfriend. Uh, so certainly it's a, a big blow to New Mexico, a team that uh, was doing you know pretty decent when you look at the um, you know, way they were going in the regular season, one of the, the I guess you call the top-tier teams in the Mountain West, and what they were doing with their non-conference. Um, they uh, were ranked 58th in the net rankings uh, a little bit earlier. They've dropped down to 62, but they're 11-2 and two on the year. Um, but certainly it's going to be harder for them to pick up some quality wins going forward in the Mountain West with two key components. Their starting point guard and, and uh, Brad, who was probably the, one of the big leaders on that team, suspended indefinitely. Uh, this is what we call a dumpster fire. Uh First of all, if there is accusation of battery, uh, you, I got to be careful how I phrase this, but you may not see him the rest of the season. I mean, that stuff is very, very serious, especially for college athletes like that. So there will be a thorough investigation done on both sides. They'll make sure they get the full story on both sides and get the truth. And then they'll go from there. But that could take, some, that could take a lot of time, too. And that process can be a lot of time. Uh, and so Brack's situation is really interesting because if it's not academics and if it's not, uh, it's not drug say? related, they have confirmed that. And, if, but it's indefinitely. And the word indefinitely in college basketball, like should worry you if you're a Lobo fan too, because you don't know how long that is, but that's, and you said it, that's a huge loss for, for New Mexico. Now, granted, I mean, Carlton Brack's kryptonite is Keta. I mean, Keta owns that guy mentally and physically. Um, but still, I, I mean, you can't, in that situation, and just based on how good this Mount West Conference is, you you got to be a little bit worried. Yeah. Uh, the university itself is refusing to comment on either a player's situation. Yeah, I would be. Uh, but they would, yeah. do remain members of the basketball team. They've not been dismissed. They are still enrolled in the university. Uh, but it seems like the, the issue with J.J. Caldwell and an ex-girlfriend has to do with an altercation at, uh, coming out of a nightclub um, in, in early December, mid-December, um, according to some of the reports obtained by the Albuquerque Journal. But there is still n- no reports or knowledge as to why uh, Bragg has been suspended indefinitely. It uh, continues to be a bit of a mystery. Uh, but we'll continue to follow that and update you as uh, as we get more details. Uh, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, what were, were the season or the, the the year is coming to a close, right? Uh, 2019 is nearing its end. So, what were some of the t- top stories of the past year? On our Friday Five Best, we want to get into the five best local sports stories of the past year. And we'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. 753-752, excuse me, 435-75. <laughs> let me start that over four, again. 435-753-752-3. Three, four, three, four, seven, five. Five, five. 435-752-1069. So wait, is it one? Is it, so it's 435-1069. Stop. 435-752-1069. <laughs> One zero six nine. If you want to call in and share with us what you thought some of the top sports stories were locally, or if you want to text in, 
You don't want that's to call. That's four three five seven five two seven five three. No, that's four three five three three nine zero three two one. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, five best local sports stories of 2019. Love to hear your thoughts on that as well. 435-752-1069 if you want to call us. It doesn't have to be a full top five. You can just share one story that you thought really should really stood out to you over the past calendar year. Or if you prefer to text us, you can do that as well uh, and let us know what you thought were the top sports stories of 2019. <clears throat> Text line is 435-339-752. Do you want people to text in or not, Ajay? I just say hey, I'm just trying to help them out. That was the number you gave out. I just want to make sure they uh, they had it right. You're not helping. Hey, uh, really quickly, dude. Jimbo Fisher got paid what seven million? Is what ten years, seventy five million or something like that? That like that's such to go an to Texas insane amount of number for a crappy football team. I mean, you're. I mean, they, are they really okay with that? Seven million a year, ten years, seventy five million. That. Incentives included. <sighs> wow. Yeah, right now his uh, his Aggies are trailing 14 to nothing at the end of the first. To who? Oklahoma State. That's so bad. Well, Cowboys are ranked. Whoopity-daw. <laughs> All right, AJ. Five best sports stories of 2019. Oh, <laughs> you like it and you know it. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to text in and agree or disagree with us, all right, Eric. Uh, five best moments locally of the sports year. My number five: Gary Anderson being named as the head football coach of the Utah State Aggies. I considered that, but I went back and looked at the date, and that happened in December of 2018. Well, it, but he, he coached Really, this year. he was. So let's just freaking calm down there, Mr. Specific. It's when he was named, but really he was, became acting head coach Yeah, early in 2000. Okay, anyways, back to my point. Um, I. It was great, you know, and I think a lot of people were excited because he was coming back. I don't think they fully grasped the difference between Gary in 2011 and Gary in 2019. Just based on personality. Look, when and I think I've mentioned this before. When he was coming here, I had everybody tell me how personable and go-lucky, happy, and friendly he was. I'm going to be honest, as a uh, someone who's involved with certain areas of uh, part in doing stuff, I never saw it. I never once saw it. Okay, maybe like a smidge of it. Smidge. Barely anything. I didn't see it. 
certainly a lot of hype and surrounding the hire. And that's what me off guard the most, by the way. Uh, it, it, I think that's a good choice. You know, the everything surrounding that good, bad, or the other about the return of Gary Anderson at uh, Utah State. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Number five for you. My number five was the the game. This is the near the end of the regular season for Utah State basketball. Uh, it was a highly contested game. Nevada, they were the, the, the kings of the Mountain West to that point. And the game was in the spectrum. Utah State ends up beating Nevada, who was ranked in the top 25. Um, it was an exciting moment. And it was a good win in its own right. But what became big for me afterwards, why I picked this as one of my top five, is what happened after the game. Nevada goes to their locker room. Allegedly, things are said that are heard down the hall. They, they run out of the locker room. They damage equipment uh, in the USU locker, uh, in the hallways underneath the spectrum. It becomes a national story. There are rumors and allegations of racism. Uh, the coach, uh, Musselman's wife, gets involved, claiming a lot of things that she personally didn't hear uh, because then it was refuted. And then Utah State has to go through an investigation. They show all the film. Mountain West gets involved to prove that they're, you know, it, it really wasn't nearly as bad as what Nevada was claiming. So that was, I thought that was a big moment because of the win itself and then all the stuff that happened afterward. Um, that uh, it became a big story, it became a national story. My number four, uh, Ridgeline Girls Basketball. Going to the state championship and playing in front of a, a hostile Cedar crowd in Cedar's home environment. Uh, the state tournament was held at Southern Utah. Cedar was right there. And so the girls had to play a road game in the state championship, which is one of the biggest problems we have in high school sports is when teams you know, have to travel to Northern Utah. But when's the last time we had a state championship at the Spectrum? When's the last time we had a state a championship right up here? A, like a basketball game at the Spectrum. A state championship, Eric. Just a few years ago. Who? Ridgeline won it. For in girls? A 3A tournament. Well, for boys, it was held up in the spectrum. Who'd they play? Oh, who did they play? Was it Juan Diego? Oh, dude, it was a 3A team. Yeah, it was Juan Diego or something like that. But this is St. George in like, northern Utah. And for those girls to have to go play a road game there was really, I, I felt like it was unfair. Um, but the Ridgeline girls went, I mean, they, they would, I thought they played extremely well considering the circumstances. Um, and, uh, I mean, just fell short of the state championship, but I thought that was pretty cool to see two really quality, good girls basketball teams go at it. Uh, and that game went down to about the final 90 seconds until Cedar finally pulled away. Good choice. Good, good selection. Uh, for me, number four is dominant Eberly had a tremendous season for Utah state. Um, he set a mountain West record. For field goals made, he did not miss a PAT all year, and he had the game-winning field goal in Fresno uh, as clock expired uh, to get that big road win for Utah State. So uh, the type of season that Dominant Emberly had, uh, especially with the the record that he set in the Mountain West, I think that's a it's a big deal and uh, is on my number four on my top five uh, Friday Five best in the the top local sports stories of the year. Number three for me, when Skyview went to the state championship and uh, for football this year and, and is going to face Park City, who is undefeated, everyone thought that this would be a runaway. 
for Park City. Undefeated, crushed everybody in their way, you know, runaway number one seed in the RPI rankings. This was supposed to be a dominant performance by Park City. It was 21 nothing in the first quarter. Mason Falslev and Kaysen, or was it Kaysen Anderson, had a field day. I mean, they were playing Brady to Moss, just catch. This the, and, and their defense for Skyview lit Park City. Park City quit at the end of the first quarter. They were done. They didn't want anything more to do with the Skyview defense. 35 to nothing. Eric, 35 to nothing in a one versus two game in the state championship. 35 to nothing, man. And it really could have been worse, but Skyview was classy enough to go ahead and just pull off the brakes and say, all right, you know what? We're good. <laughs> Yes. What a dominating performance by what by excuse me, the best team in the state. I would have put that Skyview football team versus a 5A 6A state champ and they I don't know if they would have won, but they would have gave them a run for their dang money. That it was an incredible what an incredible performance. Dom, there's no better word to describe that championship game. Wow. Domination. Uh for me number 3, um I'm going back you mentioned Ridgeline. I'm going to Ridgeline as well. Uh, I want to give a lot of props to Naya Tillett. She is their tennis star. Won her fourth state championship in tennis. So she won every year she went and played tennis in high school. She won the state championship as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. Absolutely incredible career for Naya Tillett. She only dropped one set during her entire high school career, and that was when she was a freshman. Talk about domination, Ajay. This girl dominated on the tennis court all the time. Four state championships. <laughs> Four state championships. Absolutely incredible. And by the way, Utah State is loving it because she's going to go to USU to play yeah, tennis. How about that? By the way, I was doing some research, and I need some help. 435-339-0321. Text into us. The, as far as I can find out, as of right now, and I haven't looked up swimming yet. That's the other one I want to look up. But since 2009, Eric, only two athletes have won four state championships from the freshman to sophomore year. Mountain Crest, Ethan Lofthouse in wrestling. And then uh, Naya Tillett in tennis. Are the only two athletes since 2009 to win all four years of state championships. That's, what a feat. It's incredible. What a feat. What an incredible just in the performance. Awesome. Love it. Good choice. Number two, Utah State Mountain West Conference champions. Remember when Craig Smith came into the program? And, in fact, I think he even told us this like uh, on an interview here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The first time, like, he had to go search for people to talk to because no one really wanted to talk to Utah State. Picked ninth in the conference. Sam Merrill, who's Namiya Keta? What are you going to do? Who's Coach Smith? You're from NAIA school. So what do they go do? Win the regular seat or win a share of the Mountain, Mountain West Conference regular season championship. Win the Mountain West Conference tournament. Go to the NCAA tournament as an eight seed. And, and by the way, after San Diego State losing there in a game that they were actually in most of the night, um, besides the 22-0 run that they went on in the first half, they didn't lose another game the rest of the way going up until Washington. And the numbers were just defying. I mean, the fact that Sam Merrill was in double figures 
up until the Washington game after the San Diego State loss. Uh, Justin Bean, Abel Porter's big three against New Mexico at the pit. Uh, Namiyash Keta just turning in dominant defensive performances where he set a record for freshmen with blocks. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Craig Smith, the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. One of the most impressive Utah State runs in bat- men's basketball that we may have ever seen. Bar none. It was incredible. Absolutely. Very worthy. And people are going to say Stu Morrill's undefeated team that uh, nearly went to the NCAA tournament but was robbed would be on that list or at least above them. I say no because of the competition that Craig Smith faced in this last year. Really, really tough conference. That's why three teams made it to the NCAA tournament, not two. Good point. Good point. For me, number two, I just have to look at Skyview Athletics. Skyview Boys Basketball in the spring win the state boys basketball championship. In May, it was the boys' soccer team winning a state championship. And in the fall, it was the football team. Three state championships for Skyview Athletics. Uh, I had a hard time just narrowing it down, talking, including one over another. And I just had to include all three of those accomplishments and those feats. With Two of those three, really on the back of one particular player, Mason Foslov. He was unstoppable uh, last this in the last calendar year. And what he did for basketball, getting his team to the state tournament and uh, winning, despite being um, not having the, the greatest region play, just the way they were seated, they went on the road and upset a, a team. Now all of a sudden I can't think of who it was in the first round. And then they had a, a path to the championship and they just took advantage of the matchups and, uh, and won. And then the boys' soccer team, did a phenomenal job in May, and what this uh, Skyview football team did, losing uh, Foslev early in the year to an injury, Kaysen Carlson stepping in, the team not missing a beat, and then Foslev, the way he came back in and the way they integrated him into everything, kudos to that coaching staff and making it work. Uh, I just generally have to give it to Skyview Athletics as a whole as the number two sports story of 2019 for me. For me, number uh, one, is Skyview Boys basketball in that run that you were just talking about. They beat. So when they became a four seed, right, after losing to Logan in Logan Brown's squad and Bear River won their final region game, it dropped Skyview to a four seed. I talked to a Juan Diego official who was 22-0, their basketball team was, and hosting Skyview. When they found out, they texted an athletic director here, they found out Skyview was a four seed. They were livid. They were extremely upset that they had to face Mason Falls up in Skyview. They knew what was coming. And in fact, the athletic, or the, the one Diego official said, and I'll quote him, we might as well just play the one seed <laughs> because that's what we were doing. And then what do you know? Skyview, Mason Falls, Kirk Hilliard, who does a great, great job coaching, goes in there and they upset uh, Juan Diego. And then, and then on the other side, Bear River gets through their three games. And there were two, there was, there were two of those three. Look, when they were going to play Orem, everyone thought Orem was a shooter for the state championship. Everybody thought it was going to be Orem and Juan Diego in the state championship. Everybody. Well, Bear River gets through it and then beats Juan, or uh, beats Orem and then beats Bonneville in a thriller. And then it's Bear River and Skyview in the state championship. Think about that. Two Northern Utah teams from Regional 11 playing the state championship in Southern Utah. 
What a statement that was by Region 11 Boys Basketball. And by the way, credit to Logan Boys Basketball. They nearly upset Bonneville at Bonneville until Bonneville has to bank in a three at the buzzer to win it. I thought Region 11 Basketball showed up extremely well in the state tournament. No more so than Skyview and Bear River who put on a show in the state championship. I thought that was a classic of a game. Mason Falso proves why he's the best athlete in the state of Utah, period, hands down, bar none. Yeah, it's great, great point. That was a great run for them and a great year for Region 11. That's absolutely right. Uh, for me, my number one, just the Utah State basketball returns to greatness. The Aggies return to the top 25. They're ranked in the top 25. Co-champions of the regular season for the Mountain West. They win the Mountain West tournament, a, a team that came in with very low expectations, far exceeded them. They sweep the Mountain West awards. Sam Merrill, player of the year. Craig Smith, coach of the year. Namiya Keta, defensive player of the year. And Namiya Keta, freshman of the year. This had an incredible year for Utah State basketball. A great run. Uh, and it returns the spectrum magic. And uh, everybody was excited about Utah State basketball once again. And uh, I thought that, that the way that captured everybody's attention, uh, it started in the tail end of 2018, but really gained steam in 2019. And it's got a lot of people excited for this year where they came in, getting a lot of preseason recognition. Preseason, the first uh, uh, poll of the top 25, Utah State was 15th. And the way that they've played so far, with a few few uh, bumps along the way with a road loss at St. Mary's and then a neutral site loss against BYU uh, so far for this 2019 portion of their season has been another uh, successful run so far. So for me, my number one sports story of 2019, uh, return to greatness for USU basketball. Good call. Great call. So if you've got thoughts about uh, the anything that should be on the list or wasn't, um, let us know, 435 435- Three three nine zero three two one. Coming up on the other side of the break, I have a number of te- of uh, stories that I think should be considered honorable mention. That we'll get into those. Uh, there are other accomplishments that deserve being mentioned and uh, and talked about. And then we'll also discuss uh, some of the other things that are going on. Uh, reminder of games going on tonight and uh, some uh, bowl games going on tomorrow that really you can't miss. So we'll talk about that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press, one hundred six point nine FM. 1390 AM, The Fan. Doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. You know, this Friday Five Best, it's kind of fun. And uh, when you get to this point of the year, you have a chance to reflect back on the year that was. And there are a lot of good things to choose from. A couple of things that didn't make my top five, but I think are still worth mentioning, an honorable mention. Uh, Green Canyon won the volleyball championship. Uh, you mentioned Ridgeline Girls Basketball. They played in the ba- Girls Basketball Championship. Um, Jerry Finkbeiner leaving and stepping down from USU Basketball. Grayson DeBose stepping down, not being, re- uh, well, not continuing at Utah State Volleyball. Uh, Cody Merritt winning a world championship. Uh, the story about Johnny Stott, the manager at Green Canyon for the football team. Oh, Dresses, yeah. gets out there, at quarterback, uh, throws a pass. How do we miss that, man? Great story. Great story. Oh, shoot. I didn't uh, think about that one. And Darwin Thompson being drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are some others that made my uh, honorable mention. Darwin's a big one, too, because no one really had him going. 
And I yeah, know he was very he was confident. Draft. He felt he was oh, going to go. Dude, he and was extremely confident. We were like, dude, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. We didn't think that was a smart choice, but it paid yeah, off. Yeah, turned out to be okay, didn't it? <laughs> worked out for him. Yeah, and worked out for the Chiefs too, Eric. I mean, he's that's been a good addition. He hasn't seen the field a lot, but he's had some good plays. He's, he's had some good some moments time. for him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ajay, there's a, a couple of big bowl games later on tonight. USC and Iowa in the Holiday Bowl. And uh, I think one of the more intriguing bowl games of the whole bowl season is Air Force and Washington State in the Cheez-It Bowl, 8-15 on ESPN tonight. And then we've got the college football playoff semifinals starting tomorrow. Uh, predictions on those games. You know, I Clemson's offense can score at will, but their defense can't stop anybody. Uh, I, I think Ohio State is more balanced defensively and offensively. I like Ohio State in that game. LSU is is coming in even without the running back. Most likely, uh, is he not playing then? Is or is he questionable? Do we know? Uh, I haven't heard the latest on that. Uh, even if so, Oklahoma has three players suspended. They've had some you know distraction around that. I think LSU comes ready to play. I think Ed Orzon, uh has his team ready to go mentally and physically. I like LSU in that one, and I like it in a route too. Um, I, I think it's LSU and Ohio State coming up on uh, January sixth uh, in the national champ or January thirteenth, excuse me, in the national championship. I'm with you. I like Ohio State because I think they are more balanced, and LSU's just been so dominant all yeah. year long. No kidding. I think it'll be fun football games to watch. Yeah. Enjoy it. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.